Welcome to the PR Matters Podcast, survival tips for church communicators, hosted by Justin Dean. Get your copy of Justin's new book, PR Matters, at churchprbook.com. Hey, welcome back. This is episode six, and I'm Justin Dean, author of PR Matters, and survival guide for church communicators. You can pick up your copy at churchprbook.com, and I hope you do. It's loaded with tons of free extras. If if you've enjoyed this podcast so far, uh, then hopefully you see the value of having a PR plan for your church, and I've done all the work for you, or at least most of it. You can buy the book and get all the free downloads, including a complete crisis plan, a social media guide, and so much more uh, by going to churchprbook.com and getting those freebies there. I hope this has been helpful for you. Today, we're going to read Chapter 7, The Power of Social Media. Amy Jo Martin says, Social media is changing the way we communicate and the way that we are perceived, both positively and negatively. Every time you post a photo or update your status, you are contributing to your own digital footprint and personal brand. I think the most effective way that you can communicate with the public and shape the perception of your church is through social media. It should be the most vital piece of your PR plan and your overall communication strategy. We can go into so much more uh, about this, but we're going to cover this chapter and then I would uh, just encourage you to check out the resources at thatcc.com through That Church Conference and the uh, soon-to-be-launched Sunday University at sundayu.org. I'd also check out the uh, social media podcast, uh, social church podcast with uh, Nils Smith and uh, Jay Cranda. And there's so many other uh, podcasts and resources out there on how to do social media well for your church. Social media is an incredible tool to fulfill the mission of your church in ways that uh, you'll never be able to from your pulpit. With just a few keystrokes, you can reach the nations with the message of your church, and you don't even have to raise support for missions. There's nothing wrong with missions, of course, but in today's world of social media, there's just tremendous opportunity available to you at home, and most churches aren't fully taking advantage of it. If your church loves people, then you should love social media. Jesus' last commandment to his disciples was to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These days, our entire world is connected through social media. Facebook is the end of the earth because it's one way we truly are able to make disciples of all nations. Those nations are on Facebook, as well as Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, and every other social media network. As Christians, our biggest mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible. Social media is a mission field populated with actual people who need the gospel. Our job is to make the gospel the hero of every post and get out of the way. Jesus said Christians are the light of the world. The world is now on social media, and Jesus loves every man and woman on social media sites, the popular sites and the not-so-popular ones. Therefore, churches should be using social media to point people to Jesus. We can't do that if if we're only posting about events and announcements. We can do so much better than that. There are rich opportunities to build relationships and get to know people on an intimate level. 
there are 168 hours in a week. When you think about it, a church typically only engages with people for about an hour once per week. And it's all one-way communication. Sure, people may connect in small groups and other ministries throughout the week. But my point is that there are typically 167 hours a week that your people are not engaging with your church. Historically, there hasn't been anything we can do about that. But social media has totally changed the game. We know that people are spending nearly an hour every day scrolling through Facebook status updates, liking Instagram posts, or chatting on Messenger. That's another seven hours per week that you can get in front of them and engage with them. They are sharing their most intimate thoughts. They are checking in at their favorite restaurants and posting pictures of what they are eating. They are cataloging milestones and capturing every moment of their children's lives. If you pay attention, they are telling you and showing you how to minister to them with every single post. Social media is not just another advertising platform or activity for your interns to play around with. It's an investment in people. You can leverage it in a number of different ways to actually connect with people, whether they be volunteers, parents, new people who just visited your church, or people who have never been. It's an opportunity to invite people and to equip others to invite their friends. It used to be said that the parking lot of your church should be considered just as important as the front door. The idea being that as people drive up to your church for the first time, they already start to develop an opinion and a feeling about their experience. Developing a welcoming parking process, keeping the grounds clean and beautiful, providing helpful signage, these are all some of the ways that you can make people feel loved from the second that they hit your property. While that is still very true, the internet and social media has added a new layer These days, before people ever consider the possibility of visiting your church, they're looking at your website and your social media platforms to get a feel for what your church is like. They want to know if the people who attend your church are like them or not. They want to know what you believe and if your actions actually match up with what you say you believe. They want to get a sense for whether they will really belong and whether they uh, would be proud or ashamed to be seen there. More practically, They want to know what it's like to check their kids into the nursery or kids' ministry area. For someone who has never been to a church, the whole idea of handing off their kids to some strangers is a scary thought. What are they going to do for an hour? What are they going to teach my kids? I'm not even sure if I believe in Jesus yet, so are they going to force that on my child? Social media provides an opportunity to help answer those questions, not only by pointing to the resources and content you have made available, but by opening up a channel where you can actually connect person to person and walk them through their concerns and questions before they ever visit your church. I have seen so many churches who publish posts that say something like, we can't wait to see you this Sunday, but then they don't have anyone responding to comments or messages as they come in. I've managed Facebook on Sundays for many churches, and people will frequently ask questions via Facebook Messenger. I had one guy who messaged the church's Facebook page to ask which exit to get off the freeway. He was driving to church and needed directions. Had no one been manning the Facebook page that day, it's possible he would have never made it. Not only did he get directions in real time, but before he even hit the parking lot, he was already developing a positive perception about the people of the church. Had no one responded to him, he probably would have found his way, and uh, but then he probably would have felt ignored. Not a great way to make a first impression. To this day, I still hear so many social media experts and consultants tell people that social media is still so new, and we're all just trying to figure it out. Well, I don't think that adds up anymore. 
as of this writing, social media has been around for nearly 15 years. And while it continues to grow and evolve, I think that has more to do with the medium than it does the length of time that it's been available. Social media is ever-changing, and it probably always will be. It's a communications method, a series of tools to help us connect with each other better. And as with any type of communications tool, you need to evolve and continue to be creative when using them to effectively market any product or service. Where the church continues to fail, at least in general, is they see it as another advertising channel, such as direct mail, billboards, radio, TV, or even email. Those methods are all one way, and that used to be all that we had. Before the internet and social media, advertising and marketing was exclusively about selling products. It wasn't relational. There was no way for the consumer to give feedback or express an opinion. TV, radio, and newspapers told us how to feel and what to buy. None of that is true anymore. The rules have completely changed. Sure, social media can certainly be used to advertise and promote, but it's so much more than that. It's an entirely different thing altogether. Young people get this because they don't ever remember a time when there wasn't the internet and social media. There's a whole community of people who don't know the difference between offline and online because for them, they've always been overlapped and intertwined. Churches that are still holding on to their sacred old school ways are struggling to even understand this, let alone adapt to it or capitalize on it. It's time to wake up. Stop with the excuses. Ignore the old way of doing things and embrace the fact that the rules have changed. If you don't understand it, hire someone who does. The opportunity to reach real people and point them to Jesus is too great to dis- to just dismiss it. I think it's ironic that when I meet with churches who spend millions of dollars sending people on missions trips all over the world, but then they tell me they don't see the value in spending a few thousand dollars a year on social media. If you gave me a million dollar budget for Facebook ads, I guarantee you that I'd be able to reach more people and more countries per year than your mission stream your missions team ever could. But the reality is, on Facebook, you can do that without spending any money at all. If you want to accelerate your potential reach with Facebook ads, it's still only going to cost you a few hundred dollars to do it well. Even $50 on Facebook can help you reach a few thousand people. I know I pick on missions trips, and that upsets people. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I think missions are a great use of church funds, and I think they're vitally important to the mission. So let's pick on church bulletins instead. I know just as many churches that are wasting money on printing bulky handouts every Sunday that no one reads. Printing these things on the church photocopier, it really isn't that expensive, but when you calculate the time and energy it takes for someone on your staff to put the thing together, it adds up pretty quickly and for very little payoff. Whether it's the communications manager or the church secretary who puts the bulletin together, consider utilizing their time to better manage your Facebook and Twitter accounts. Use the money you spend on printing to run some Facebook ads instead. I would love it if you just humored me and tried an experiment. Wait until your bulletin stock is all used up. Then for the next six weeks, stop printing it. You have to stick with it for six weeks because you are definitely going to get some pushback the first week. Then a little pushback the second week. Then you'll suddenly find that no one is asking about the bulletin anymore. By the fourth or fifth week, no one will care. Then you can look at the data. Did attendance change? Did people forget about important events? Chances are not much of anything will have changed, and you now have a case for stopping the bulletin permanently. If I'm wrong, then I just gave you a six-week break from what is most likely one of the most mundane parts of your job. 
go back to printing it if it works for you. However, the churches I know who have taken this challenge have never returned to printing a bulletin. In fact, one church was able to sell their photocopier. What you may notice during the six-week bulletin experiment is that you'll get more questions on social media about events and registration. And that's what you want, because now you can engage with those people rather than communicating with them through a piece of paper. The point of the experiment is to prove that you do have the time and resources to manage social media well, and maybe even do some paid ads. You just need to prioritize what you are spending your time and resources on. Why spend so much time and effort on bulletins when you can accomplish the same thing through social media, but with higher quality and greater returns? Why spend millions on overseas missions so people can have an experience when you can reach every nation in the world through the content you post and the conversations you have online? If you're a larger church, maybe you can do it all. I know plenty of churches who do social media well, have a large missions budget, and still print a bulletin. Do what works for you, but don't give up on the potential of social media just because you didn't try to do it well. And don't tell me you can't try it when you've got a huge missions budget, a huge bulletin budget, and you waste money left and right on all sorts of things. So how do you move from using social media as a billboard to using it as a communications tool that helps you build a better perception of your church and reach your organizational goals? Engage with your community. Social media should be conversational. It's not so much about what you post, but how you interact and engage with people. Rather than posting about your church and what you offer, ask more questions that lead to conversations and create opportunities to point people to Jesus. The best way to build up engagement, people commenting and interacting with you, is to start engaging. Who would have thought? If that sounds like it's obvious, it's because it is. You don't go to a party, sit in the corner and don't talk to anyone, and then complain how everyone was unfriendly. You ask questions, you move around a bit, introduce yourself, you dance. When you ask questions and expect your audience to engage, you have to engage back. Acknowledge their participation with a like, a reply comment, or a share. You can't ask them a question or ask them to share a photo and then never participate in the discussions or acknowledge the effort that they made. If you don't engage back, then the perception you are creating is that you clearly only care about getting likes. Be strategic with the content you share. What you share speaks volumes about what is important to you and what you want to be important to others. When you post content, don't just share about church-related posts. In one of the church communications Facebook groups that I'm a part of, a young woman asked the group if they thought it would be appropriate for her church to share about a missing girl in their community. She wasn't sure if it was appropriate because it wasn't a church-related post. She wasn't even sure if the missing girl had any association with the church. I and many others commented and suggested that this is the exact type of thing that you should be posting about from your church social media platforms. A little girl is missing in your community. If the church can't get involved in that because they're too busy posting about the next bake sale, then something is very, very wrong. The best way to know what to post is to first get to know who you are posting for. Do you have a target audience and goal in mind when you post? Or are you simply checking off the list of things each ministry needs to communicate? Get to know your audience. These days, in order to sell a product, you can't just talk about how great it is and expect people to buy it. You have to put your product aside and start thinking about the consumer directly. It's no different for churches. Successful marketers will appeal to a buyer's needs 
and convince them that their product solves their problem. Starbucks isn't just a great cup of coffee. It's a great place to hang out and meet with others besides the home or the office. The iPhone isn't just the best phone on the market. It's an extension of who you are and how you connect with friends, your business, and the world. If you voted for Obama, you weren't voting for a man. You were voting for change. All of these brands know how to appeal to their audience's needs and desires and not just focus on how great their product is. The main focus of a church isn't to sell products, but the buyer-first marketing concept can be applied just the same. Rather than focusing on your next event or your great worship service, you need to focus on the people first and create content and messaging that appeals to their interests and needs. Instead of, don't miss this week's message, try something like, we'd love to see you this weekend. You'll feel like you finally found a place where you can belong. That might appeal more to your audience's desires to want a place to belong. You can learn what they want by listening to what they're saying. When someone likes your page or comments on a post, click over to view their profile. Who are they? Where are they? What type of stuff do they post? Are they married? Do they have kids? Are they conservative or liberal? Within a minute or so, you could easily be able to classify that person in at least one or two ways. This is very much like creating personas and target audiences if you're at all familiar with those marketing tactics. One of the most important categories you could place someone in is whether they are a current member or a potential member, or do they live too far to even be a member. You can also easily pick up how they talk, so you can start to use the same words and phrases that they use in your posts and comments. Also, look for what websites they frequently share, including news sites, magazines, and blogs. That will help you start to generate a list of sites that you could possibly share content from. If a large part of your audience reads and shares posts from the Harvard Business Review, then maybe you can find some relevant posts to share from that site as well. Or maybe recipes and cat videos are more of their flavor. Then it should become yours too. Use all this information to know more about who you are reaching and what they may want to see or need to see in their newsfeed. Craft your content around their needs, not yours. You may find that you have several different categories of people who follow and engage with your church, and that's okay. That's totally to be expected. There's nothing wrong with crafting content to reach each group. This is where an editorial calendar can really come in handy, so you know what type of content is going out and when. You can craft that content to go out at certain times based on when certain audiences may be uh, viewing Facebook and your social media platforms. When people start to feel like they know you, and you know them, then they'll more easily be able to convert into a visitor, then a member, and a donor, and more importantly, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember that people generally convert to community before they convert to Christ. It takes time. You have to play the long game. Think of it like dating. Would you walk up to a pretty girl for the first time and ask her to marry you right off the bat? No, you'd introduce yourself. You'd maybe buy her a drink or ask her to share a meal. You'd ask her questions about herself and get to know her. After a few dates, you earn each other's trust and you decide whether you really like each other. Then comes a kiss, then marriage, then kids, then a boat. You know how it goes. My point is, don't expect to post about your next event and expect everyone to just sign up. Most of them probably don't even know you, have never visited before, and don't know if they can even trust you. You're coming off as the creepy guy who's moving too fast. Get to know them first before you go asking everything of them. Measure what matters. 
One of the great things about the internet and social media is that everything can be tracked and measured. When you post something, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and every other social network will automatically track things for you, such as how many people liked it, how many people shared it, how many people watched your video, etc. You can also measure how many people like your profile page, thus increasing your potential audience for the next post. Then there's things like reach, how many people your post could potentially show up in front of, and impressions, how many people actually saw it. It can be incredibly satisfying to watch those numbers grow and grow the more active you can become on social media. Likewise, it can be very frustrating and depressing when they don't grow, or when you post something that you know is important, only to find hardly anyone saw it. When I ask churches what their social media goals are, I hear things like, we want to have 5,000 page likes by the end of the year. Or we need to get to 100,000 page views on our website by Easter. The problem is, those goals rarely match up with the church's goals or vision. When I ask what the goals of the church are, I hear things like, we want to be a church where unchurched and dechurched people love to attend. Or we want to be known for serving our community. I even hear things like, we want to grow our attendance numbers to 3,000. Or we need to increase the number of regular donors by 10%. Typically, that increase in traffic or increase in social media likes isn't necessarily going to translate to your church's goals. So why are you spending so much time worrying about how many people liked that last post if it isn't putting more butts and seats on Sunday and it isn't converting your regular attenders into regular givers? You need to align your communications goals with the goals of the church. Instead of reporting on how many likes you have, Try creating a report that shows the different demographics and personas of the people you are reaching. Then show how many people in your audience you learned something new about based on what they are posting and conversations you've had with them through comments and messages. Show how many people got a direct invite to church or how many people you helped by answering questions about the church. Show how many of your church members shared a post and included an invite to come to church on their own Facebook Share stories more than you share likes. You get the picture. Along the things, align the things that you are tracking with the goals of your church, and you'll be able to better track how your efforts are actually affecting the bottom line, meaning attenders, members, donations, etc. Focus on engagement. Learn about your audience and craft content that puts people first. Then measure your success against your organization's, organization's goals, not just your department's goals. Follow those principles, and social media will end up being one of the best tools for shaping your church's perception and getting your true message out to as many people as possible. Part of your social media strategy should also include the use of a social media policy. This can be a controversial move for many people, but it can be incredibly useful to not only protect the church, but also to help align everyone with your mission. More importantly, align the public's perception with your vision and goals. Social media policy is just a written document of guidelines and policies that can either be suggested or enforced depending on what is needed and acceptable within your church. Typically, this is a document that can be placed into an employee manual or included in onboarding training for staff and volunteers. It's simply a document of written guidelines suggesting how to act and interact with people on social media so that your church is always seen in the best possible light. Remember that everything we say or do, or don't say and don't do, is PR. It all adds to the overall perception that people have of us as a person, of us as Christians, and by extension, how they feel about the church that you represent. 
the most common objection I hear to social media policies like this is that your employer, even a church, can't control what I do or post on my own personal channels or on my own personal time, First Amendment rights and all that. Well, that's legally true. I don't know. It's actually probably a gray area, but I'm no, I'm no lawyer. Uh, it doesn't mean that the church can't provide some direction on what the best biblical behavior should be. It's also good for a church or any employer to set exceptions uh, in writing so everyone is on the same page. They may not be able to control what you post, but they certainly can fire you if what you post is shining a bad light on your church or dividing people from the core message. Hopefully, working for your church isn't just a job for you. I don't know why anyone would choose to work at a church just to check a job off their list. Certainly, the stress and lack of income isn't worth it. If you just want a low-paying, low-reward job, you can pretty much find that anywhere. If you work for a church, it's likely because you believe enough in the mission of the church to sacrifice things like time, status, money, and most likely the way you present yourself publicly through things like social media. Your social media policy can be simple or extensive, but it should align with your church's style and culture, as well as your biblical beliefs and overall mission. The idea isn't to control your people and what they say, but to provide them with a guide to represent the church and Jesus well. Most of it should be pretty common sense. Next, you'll find a sample social media policy that you can copy and use to develop on your own. If you buy the book, you can actually download this and uh, use it as your own. You can take what you want from it or use it as is. If it matters, know that the social media policy that I provide has been reviewed by a competent and licensed attorney. This specific wording is currently used by dozens of churches already. However, I'm not a lawyer, and I make no guarantees. It would definitely be wise to have your own counsel, as well as your own HR department, review and approve any final version that you use. So I'll read uh, what is a sample social media policy that I provide that you can download at churchprbook.com with your purchase of the book. It starts out with, at our church, we know that online social platforms, including blogs, wikis, message boards, video and photo sharing websites, and social networking services are constantly transforming the way that we interact. We also recognize the importance of the internet in shaping the public view of our church. The church is committed to supporting your right to interact responsibly and knowledgeably on the internet through blogging and interaction and social media. We want our staff, volunteers, and church attendees attenders to share and learn from others in order to build a valuable online community. The purpose of these guidelines is twofold. First, the church has to has an aim to protect our interests, including, but not limited to, the privacy of our employees and confidentiality regarding our plans, partners, users, and operations. Second, these guidelines will help you make respectful and appropriate decisions about your work-related interactions with people on the Internet. Your personal online activity is your own business. However, any activity in or outside of work that affects your performance, the performance of others at the church, or the church's interests are a proper focus for this social media policy. You must always assume that your work-related social media activity is visible to the church as well as current and potential employees, clients, partners, and prospects. The church reserves the right to direct its staff to avoid certain subjects and remove inappropriate comments and posts. Our internal policies remain in effect in our workplace. And we go into some guidelines for uh, discussing the church on the internet, guidelines for 
confidential uh, information and how that's shared online. Um, who owns your social media contacts? It says that any social media contacts, including followers or friends, that are acquired through accounts, including but not limited to email addresses, blogs, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and other social media networks, created on behalf of the church or the property of the church. So having a policy like that in place, uh, if you ask an employee um, to log into their personal Facebook uh, account in order to manage your Facebook page and they're building lists and contacts and things on behalf of the church, it should be clear that, hey, those belong to the church. If you ever leave, those lists and, and things you created, those are those are for the church. Uh, we don't want to have to redo that again. Likewise, if you wanted it to be uh, a little more uh, open and less strict, you could change this to to say that, no, those are, those are yours. You did the work. You can keep them. It was on your own private account. Uh, so this can be adapted to, to use however you want. Um, so it goes on to, to list some uh, just common best practices and things on social media. Uh, talks about your legal liability and things like that. So give it a read and download it at churchprbook.com. It's definitely there uh, for you to use as is or adapt as needed. Um, but this is something that can be very important, very useful uh, for your church, uh, particularly for your HR department to maybe include an employee manual just to give some guidelines for how people should be uh, representing the church through their own personal channels as well as uh, managing the church's channels as well. So it's good to have those guidelines in place. So that is it for Chapter 7. In Chapter 8, in the next episode... Uh, it's called Engage and Enrage. We're going to talk about uh, how to deal with trolls and haters uh, on social media. As you get to be more active on social media and follow some of the tips that were in this chapter, you'll see that uh, the trolls and haters will, will start coming out. So provide some tips on how to deal with that. So we will talk about that in the next chapter. Thanks again for listening.